0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the First Loved Podcast. Last week, I shared my story with you about my involvement in this discipleship school called Vita 220 down in Costa Rica. And I talked with you about really the incredible experience that many of these young people sign up for and participate in for 10 months and all the various things that they go through that really helps them to grow. I also mentioned how I wish my friend who runs it would not call it a discipleship school, where sometimes if we refer to various activities as like a discipleship school, a discipleship program, a discipleship class, is that sometimes someone can misunderstand that as, well, now I've done discipleship, and now what's next? Discipleship as I understand it is another term for a kind of relationship between a student and a master, an apprentice and a master. It's a relationship where, as Jesus said, we are being trained to become like him, like the master, which for us, we've said that even like the master seems a little bit too vague. Instead, I think most of all, what it means to be like Jesus is to love as Jesus loved. And particularly, as Jesus loved us. Well, yesterday I listened to the podcast. It's always a funny thing to listen to yourself. And as I was thinking about this idea of an intensive, that an intensive is an opportunity to take specific, focused, concentrated time with Jesus to work on part of that change process where we are being changed Actually, this morning I I meet with some pastors and we were talking about this a little bit today that oftentimes you'll hear the, the phrase spiritual growth or we need to grow. And sometimes I think even that word can be a little bit misleading or it misses the central fact of what's going on in our lives is that Jesus is changing us transformation, metamorphosis in Greek, is that you are being changed from one thing to another, even though the essential DNA of a caterpillar and butterfly were the same, but their form, what they look like, what they do is radically different. And in that sense, that's what God is trying to do in our lives, Jesus, in our lives by the Spirit, is change us from what we once were To becoming like him, to loving like him, where our thoughts are his thoughts, our view of reality, our view of people, our view of life is his view. And likewise, we have his character and ultimately we do the things that he did. Well, as I was listening to the podcast yesterday, I found myself thinking about all of you who might be listening and... (laughs) Peter and I were just laughing a moment ago that the chances of any of you ever doing a 10-month discipleship intensive is probably slim to none. If anything, whether you'd even want to do something like that, but just trying to get in any kind of intensive where I listed other kinds of intensives might be a class, an intensive might be a retreat or a seminar or a conference or Something to that effect, but again, where you're taking yourself out of your normal routine, your normal everyday life, to put yourself in a situation where you can stay focused and concentrated on a specific area of training that Jesus is doing in your life. Well, I started imagining, again, you guys listening and thinking you're incredibly busy, that... Depending on who you are, you might be busy being a mom or a dad or that you work a job part-time or full-time. And you might be a homeowner, and that requires time. And again, that you would be a spouse and that being a husband or a wife, being a worker, being a parent, being a homeowner, being involved in your town or something. There are so many ways that our lives are occupied, our time is occupied by all these things we need to do. And quite frankly, a lot of them are responsibilities. You're responsible for your home, for your marriage, for your kids, what you're required to do in your job. And so you feel overwhelmed by these responsibilities. And then suddenly you become a Christian or you've been in the church all your life. I start using this language of discipleship, this language of being student and master and of being changed into the likeness of Jesus and mostly the need to spend time, concentrated, focused time in getting to know him, to become like him, to be trained by him so that we love as he has loved us. One of the professors that used to teach the discipleship track that I'm involved in for my doctor of ministry degree... And Michael Wilkins, he wrote two books, one called Following the Master and the other one In His Image, and especially In His Image is the reader-friendly, user-friendly version for just about anybody to read on this topic of discipleship. But I thought I would say to you today, or ask the question to you today, how he begins every class, or if he's out talking in a conference, seminar, whatever— He likes to begin every time asking these two questions. In the humble confidence of your own heart, can you say with conviction that you are a true disciple of Jesus? Please raise your hand. And he said, almost inevitably, and I wonder about you, hear the question again. Can, In the humble confidence of your own heart, can you say with conviction that you are a true disciple of Jesus? Well, I wonder how if you were to raise your hand, could you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? How high would you raise your hand? How quick would you raise your hand? Where he says most of the time in his classes or in these weekends, people will start to raise and then they'll pull it back down or only one or two might raise their hands. And, but by and large, most do not raise their hand. So then he asks the second question, how many of you in the humble confidence of your own heart, can say with conviction that you are a true Christian. And he says, literally, from the minute Christian leaves his lips, almost everybody, if not everyone in the room, will immediately raise their hand and raise it high. And right then and there, he says, there's our problem. Disciple and Christian are supposed to be synonymous. And yet somehow, There is a confusion in our minds as though somehow everybody's a Christian, and then being a disciple or doing discipleship is like something else, something extra, something on top of, something for the super Christian, the the super devoted or whatever it might be. But the truth is, if you're a Christian, you were brought into this disciple relationship with Jesus. And then I thought one of the other things in my reading, and I'm, I'm trying to really be sensitive to you guys that are listening, and especially given, again, all the responsibilities that you have and all the various things that you're very busy doing. I also got to thinking about when he asked the question, are you a true Christian? I think I would want to ask the next question, and that is, what does that mean to you? And another guy that's had a lot of influence on me and, and the discipleship topic and ideas is a, is a guy named Dallas Willard, incredibly brilliant man, taught philosophy at USC, had been a pastor for some years. He's written a lot of really powerful books. But at one point in one of his books, he talks about the fact that His concern and part of this confusion is that people think becoming a Christian is simply getting saved, is simply praying the sinner's prayer, and now suddenly you have become a Christian, which, if you put it really bluntly and succinctly, it means I'm going to heaven and not hell. And that's what matters most, is that I'm saved from hell— and I'm going to heaven. And then it's like, well, and then I'll just kind of coast and do some of the things I guess I should, what Christians do. And if that's your mindset, this whole idea of discipleship is probably like, what is Mark talking about? I don't want to do all that stuff. I just want to be a Christian. I just want to be saved. I just want to try to be a nice person now and, and just try to do good until Jesus comes or until I die and go to heaven. And I thought, you know, if that's the case, if that's what you were led to believe, it's certainly how we enter into this relationship with the triune God. But it's way more than that. And if you didn't understand what you were getting into, (laughs) I'm sure this is probably very challenging and very stretching. And at some level, maybe you don't want to hear it. Because the, the thing that would concern me especially as a pastor, is that then salvation is only about you. You see it as just one more thing that you've done for you. You just don't want to go to hell and you want to go to heaven. And we often use this language of it being like an insurance policy. Friends, being a Christian is so much more than that and so much richer and greater and sweeter and joy-filled than that the truth is is you became a disciple of jesus and that his goal for your life is to change your life to change it from functioning in a way that was totally self-absorbed that you viewed the world and relationships and reality through the lens of the world not through the lens of god and primarily, we are brought up in the world to live for ourselves. It made me think about my son, Nathan, who was a Marine. As soon as you sign up for a Marine, it's not like, well, I went down to the recruiter and I signed up and now I'm a Marine and that's great. <laughs> it doesn't end there. It's like, well, so what? Then you go to boot camp and then you spend eight weeks and here's the critical thing, in an eight-week intensive, to be trained to be a soldier. And the other thing is that a Marine is never just, oh, now I'm a Marine and I walk around independent of belonging to the Marines. You get put into some sort of, I don't know what the official language, a, a unit, a platoon, a squad or something, but you are a part of the Marine family now. And you go and get trained for eight weeks to be a soldier, eventually you go into a specialty. Nate's was aviation ordnance technician, which is a fancy way of saying that he was responsible for bombs and knew how to handle them and to transport them and load them and all that stuff. But we found out at the very end of his time, he was over in Korea just visiting, and this happened to be when North Korea started threatening South Korea and whatever, and we didn't find out till after he got out that while he was there, suddenly he was called and they were ready to be the first ones in. He was back and being for the first time a soldier. And all the training that had gone on at boot camp and then throughout various intensives, they were constantly, every so many months, put into intensives to increase their skills, get better, and stay focused. Well, one of the biggest phrases, and here's the one I want you to catch for today, is Nate said, Dad, when you get there, they would say to you again and again and again, young man, we are here to drive the civilian out of you. I'm like, what? He says, yeah. He says, you are no longer a civilian. You are a Marine. You are a soldier. You belong to us. You are going to learn how to obey orders. You're going to learn how to fight. And that was a constant reminder that they are trying to drive the civilian out of them so that they think like a soldier. They think to obey orders. And even that their whole purpose of existence, their motivation, perhaps even why they signed up, you hear some that they want to do it because they want to defend our country and defend our way of life and protect our families. So, there may be a variety of motivations. Let me just finish today with this thought that when you believed, you became a Christian, like you become a Marine, you sign up, as it were. And through salvation, you signed up and became a Christian. But you just aren't an independent Christian. You were brought into a family. You were brought into a mission, into a purpose, into a relationship that's not just you and Jesus. It's you and the community and ideally a church community that you belong to. But I think Jesus would say the same thing. His goal is to drive the civilian out of you. That likewise, the goal is for us to no longer be like American living, what, American citizens, are doing life like Americans who don't know God. Like, it's all about me. It's about my pleasure, my comfort, my money, my stuff, my pleasure, right? I mean... Americans kind of get to live the quote-unquote American dream. And there was a good friend that did a sermon series. He entitled it, Jesus is Not a Part of My Life. And I remember when he first said it, I went, wait, what are you saying? He goes, because Jesus isn't a part of my life. He's my whole life. And I thought, wow, that is really true. For so many of us, we want Jesus to be a part of our lives And see, to be a Marine, it wasn't about doing Marine as just a part of your life, some little tangential thing. You become a Marine. You are taught to be a soldier. Well, likewise, I think Jesus is after the same thing, is that he's trying to drive the civilian out of us, try to drive the old man, the self-centered way out of us, to train us to become those who love God and love others as he does. The motivation for that from our point of view, as we've listened to Jesus, is that he says, if you will do this, you will know life abundant, life to the full. You will experience full and complete joy. You'll experience satisfaction and fulfillment and a life worth living that there is such profound motivational language from Jesus. To change is so exciting to move out of that old way of life and into a new way of life. But for so many of us, we still think that old way of life seems pretty good. And to a certain degree, for some of us, we've not even entered into that new way of life to such a degree that we've come to discover that it is so much better, so much better. Being transformed, being changed, having the mind and the character and the lifestyle of Jesus, there is so much joy, peace, life abundance, satisfaction to be had. And most of us have never even engaged at the level to discover just how true that is. Well, my hope from the little bit of this conversation today or my sharing with you today is that You are a disciple if you are a Christian. And as a Christian, Jesus is aiming to change you from one way of living to another way of living. And he says it's life beyond your wildest dream and imagination. Now I know again in all the busyness, how do you make time for that? Because the bottom line is, is that to do training, you have to make time. What will motivate us to make the time? Until next time, thank you for listening. Love you, bless you, have a great day.